Hey, everybody. This is David Leet, and I'm here with just Adam Claremont, our producer. Adam, I didn't mean that. Just Adam Claremont. As if you're just... Oh, I hope not. No, I meant only Adam Claremont. <laughs> oh, much better. <laughs> right, much better. Amy's not here, so you're having half the hosting team. I'm the, the, I'm the HO of your host team. I'm the hoe. I'm the hoe of the host team. <laughs> That's what you got, the hoe, this week. Anyway, it's Labor Day weekend, and Amy and I are taking our own little holiday this week. And Amy's frolicking in the waves with her family on Cape Cod Bay and grilling as much corn and fish as all of them can eat. And the one and I are up here in Connecticut gearing up for a Portuguese palooza with grilled sardines, grilled limpets, or lapage, as they call it in Portuguese, head-on shrimp and pork and clams and who knows what else. But we are not leaving you in the lurch, naturally. Yankee Magazine is featuring all kinds of great stuff for you. For example, herbed shrimp burgers or grilled ribs with tangy maple basting sauce or slow-grilled chicken thighs with Alabama white sauce, grilled ratatouille salad, and I like this, campfire s'mores dip. And you can get all of those recipes and a lot more at newengland.com. And over at Leeds Culinaria, we've got tons of Labor Day recipes also for you, like New England clam bake, grilled flank steak with chili rub, which is one of my favorites, barbecued pimento cheese, pickled brine fried chicken, grilled corn on the cob, and so many more. And you can get all of these on Leeds Culinaria at lccooks.com. That's lccooks.com. And we'll be back next week with an all-new episode. So in the meantime, check out our archived interviews with folks like Julia Tertian, Paul Hollywood, Zoe Francois, and so many others. And for your listening enjoyment, I'm including a snippet from my memoir, Notes on a Banana, about the times my father and I, when I was a kid, my father and I would go cohogging in the summer for my mom to make her famous stuffed cohogs. Do you know what stuffed cohogs are, Adam? No, but now I'm interested. Right? Well, you know what a cohog is, right? No. No. I, it's, I thought it was a town. No, it's not a town in Family Guy? <laughs> No, that's, well, yes, it is, but no. A cohog is a rather large clam that you steam open and you chop up the meat and you add uh, sausage and bread and all kinds of ingredients and you bake them. They're absolutely amazing. So that's the whole section of my memoir that you'll be able to listen to. So enjoy the listen and we'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Because our school was overcrowded, we were on double sessions. Upperclassmen went in the mornings, lowerclassmen in the afternoon. Being a ninth grader, I was home alone until noon. Given all that free time, I chose to cook. By now, I'd pretty much broken from Portuguese food. I still had a few favorites I wouldn't pass up. My mother's carne assada, her galinha com molho, chicken in an oniony wine sauce, beans mixed with links of chorizo, a slab of bacon, and, oddly, hot dogs her nod to American franks and beans. Most of all, though, her stuffed cohogs, which are a New England specialty. These weren't those anemic half-shell jobs filled with nothing but pallid breadcrumbs and a few bits of clams. They were amped up, Portuguese style. The dish started with my father, or at least it did back then, when Monthope Bay was bracingly clean and fresh. We'd wade in knee-deep water in Tiverton, Rhode Island, him in a madras bathing suit, me in cut-off jeans. My father was milky white except for his arms, neck, and face. 
If you squinted, it looked like he was wearing a T-shirt with a smudge of dirt where a few chest hairs clustered. He, like me, wasn't a particularly good specimen of Portuguese hirsuteness. He could divine where cohogs were nestled just by ambling along. He'd stop suddenly and put his arm out to prevent me from walking over the clams as if that could somehow make them scatter in the sand. Then using his nearly opposable big toe like a trowel, he'd pivot his leg deeper and deeper into the sand, tongue-twisting in unison until his face blossomed with a smile. If he got it just right, he could grab the clam in his toes and lift it right out of the water, hopping on the other leg as he offered it to me. Even when we were just walking along the beach in Swansea, my mother tucked low back in the car, wearing her clip-on sunglasses and a kerchief. She was never a fan of the sun or the water. He'd suddenly stop and twist his leg while I squirmed and whispered, Stop it! Take it, he'd say, his toes clutching a huge cohog. Daddy! No one else's father was hunting their own food. It's not going to bite. Broiling with embarrassment, I'd snatch it and stick it in my bucket. To make the dish, my mother would leave Portuguese bread to get stale on the counter for a few days, then break it up and soak the pieces and the liquor spilled from a big pot of steamed cohogs. She chopped the clam meat and links of shirisu, add them to the softened bread along with my father's fermented pepper paste, tomato paste, and her secret blend of seasonings, and beat the mixture until it was perfectly smooth and as red as desert clay, with bits of clams and sausage studding it. The shells that had yawned open while steaming were carefully washed and dried overnight. She would then feed giant spoonfuls of the stuffing into the shells, so much that they couldn't close, leaving an inch gap of exposed stuffing, and wrap them with twine. She'd line up the clams in identical rows in the blue broiler pan with the white speckles, their openings facing up, so that they crusted over in the oven. When you unraveled one and snapped off one half of the shell, the stuffing was steaming hot and amazingly moist. It tasted of the sea, briny, with just a hint of the sweetness from the chewy clams. The sausage and pepper paste gave it heat and heft. Whenever she presented a platter of them to my father and me, or to guests, and that's what she'd do, present them, with a flourish and the knowledge she was about to delight us immeasurably, she'd stand back, worrying a dish rag or shredding a paper napkin, waiting for the sighs of pleasure that always followed. You like them? She'd ask, relieved, every time, even though they'd never been anything less than spectacular.